Eric, as always, with me, Michael. How are you doing, Michael? As always, I am good. And making his WrestleMania return, Nick. How are you doing, Nick? That's Nick's music. I'm doing, yeah. Da, 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 da. I just stole John Cena's. <laughs> I like the idea that you pick not only the most like iconic wrestler right now, but the most iconic music. It's like, this is the one that is clearly me. I'm not the, uh, I'm not the, uh, you know big show here i'm the i'm the john cena of this show um now it's either that or like pod right those are the only options you get I, pod for a while though had a lot of entry music and then there was a <laughs> like a port there was like a portion of wrestling for a while there where everyone's intro music just sounded like a pod song and it was just done by like this in-house musician guy who all his stuff was just pod like this is um, 2006 right that's the entire year of music of 2006 yeah, yeah, I feel like that's probably there's a section of music that was just POD, and uh, that and band like like bands like Fuel, which I, I've never met anyone who's like my favorite band is Fuel, um, but I digress. Uh, this is a video game show. We should talk about that. Um, thank you everybody for joining us today. Um, if you did not know it, there has been quite a few shows released recently. Uh, we did a Resident Evil 4 remake show that came out Monday. You should check that out. And uh, a couple other things that have been released. Go check those things out. They're pretty cool. But really, the big thing you should check out is the show today where we're talking about Warhammer Space Marine. Because of course we are. It was inevitable. Um, Michael is not as well-versed in the Warhammer, so I had to bring in fellow Warhammer enthusiast Nick to come support me on my quest to convert Michael and all of you listeners to the glory of the Emperor. Uh, Michael, are you ready to listen to our sermon today? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be. I have a bunch of notes. I am kind of confused what's going on. To start, before we jump into the full discussion, after some preamble, I feel like how I picture people who... Uh, don't like Star Wars when they play a Star Wars game. Just the whole, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> That's weird to me, because I feel like this is a pretty straightforward introduction, and now I don't know if some of that is just me being like very well-versed in the topic. So I feel like this is pretty straightforward to grasp, but then I'll, that's me being yeah. very engrossed in this. It, that, um, that was pretty, but that was a little bit of a over uh, simplification because this is a very much straightforward uh, war story. It's just a matter of like the the conflict. It throws you directly into this universe and does not um, hold your hand at all through it. But it really doesn't. It's weird. I'll get into like my yeah. thoughts on it. I I am curious because I feel like the three people on this show today all have varying like ways of looking at Warhammer. I feel like you're extremely new. Um, me and Nick, Nick, we've been in the Warhammer for a while. Uh, 
and it's been it's become a problem financially for the two of us. Um, <laughs> but uh, the amount of money being spent on little miniature figures is a is a it's a you know you're gonna die. You might as well not die with any money. You might as well die with little plastic figures instead. Uh, so I feel this like it would be joy. yes, exactly. Um, let's go ahead and do do some light video game talk up front. Uh, Nick, been a while since you've been on the show. Anything you've been digging? Anything you've been playing? Anything you find cool? Um, not really, man. So we're talking about the the Warhammer stuff, and that's kind of where I've been for the last couple months. Um, I kind of purged League of Legends out of my system, and I'm now completely into kill team so just picture that meme best friendship ended with league new best friend kill team i feel like kill team is a better like more stable relationship <laughs> i feel like league is like an abusive relationship that you kind of come back to every once in a while and you're like ah, oh, why did i do this to myself then you you get the courage to leave and you always find yourself back in bed with league in about six months but um <laughs> yeah start the timer six months i'll be back in <laughs> I will say you're very accurate because uh, me and you play on average at least once to twice a week Kill Team, uh, yeah. which is, of course, very topical today because of the Warhammer connection. Warhammer Kill Team is a uh, skirmish game set within the Warhammer universe um, that both me and Nick are extremely big fans of. Um, miniature gaming is very much, I think, similar to video gaming in a lot of ways because... You spend, especially at this point in my life, I spend more time thinking about the game than actually having time to play it. Yes. But it's like that constant, like, oh, like I'll, I'll be two days after we've played a game and then be riding in my car for lunch one day <laughs> and then get mad at myself about a blown decision that I made on Sunday. I, I, that's That happened today for me. We played on uh, last week, and I was very angry at myself today when I figured out a move I should have made. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I've not been playing a lot that's not already been discussed on the show. Um, I finished Resident Evil 4 Remake. We did a whole hour-long discussion with friend of the show, John, mm-hmm. that came out on Monday. I've already talked about a little bit, so you should go check that out. John had finished the game at that point. Michael, I believe you finished Resident Evil 4 already? I'm halfway through a second playthrough. What? Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am going for a five and a half hour s rank run on hardcore i am on chapter eight now i just beat the beefy chapter seven which was not fun it involved a lot of save scumming a lot of picking up ashley after being hit with catapults and flaming crossbows and the tentacle things the parasites that'll spit at her so that took that was a lot of uh um hassle getting through that chapter but i think mostly it's smooth sailing it is fun seeing how the community has already broken this thing and has already found ways to like skip past doors especially on the pc version where if you set the sensitivity to high aim your sniper rifle at the ground then do a quick turn you can like sort of do a magic trick spin to get past any door in the game i <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a game that's going to be very big for the speedrunning community. Because this is kind of the... getting me into it. If I can beat this game in under five hours, then I'm like, I'm going to unlock stuff that will make me go even faster. What is yeah, the fastest I... I can get through this thing? This is 
going to be a uh, domino effect of me speedrunning. Like I said, I am on chapter 8 in 2 hours and 18 minutes or so. I um so I'm on I'm on the right track to get yeah, an S rank sh- on this thing. Yeah, you're about halfway and you're already only at 2 hours, so you should be good. Um the only thing I'll say cuz I can talk about this all night, but I'm not um because there's a whole show you should go check out. Uh <laughs> plug plug plug. Um I is this thing lived up to my expectations in every sorts of way. It's weird to be sitting here at the beginning of April and already have two games on my list for game of the year. Um, Resident Evil 4 Remake being there. And, like, I still stand Atomic Heart. I think Atomic Heart's still great. Um, So it's weird to be this early in the year and already have a couple of, like, strong contenders for my game of the year Um, in a a year that's just loaded. Um, Now that I finished Resident Evil 4 and I'm halfway through a second playthrough, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, This... I like this more than the original. This is a top 10 game of all time for me. I I will never be able to make that decision between the two just because nostalgia clouds yeah. my, my division. They're both amazing. I love both of them. This is like the fact that I came away from this enjoying it so much and not having any qualms with it just says how quality it is. But Resident Evil 4 original will forever be in my head as a, uh, you know, it's the nostalgia trip is too too hard for me to come at this from any sense of like objective you know point of view but yeah that thing's amazing go check out the show we did with uh with john it's very much a a good kind of walkthrough of a bunch of people with different experience levels of that game and kind of how we felt about it i think it's really really pretty cool conversation we had over there um anything else anybody play before we jump into our glorious lord and savior the emperor No. no Thank you, Nick. No, it is time. Uh, I would like to, at this point, cue my my uh, holy chorus of praises to the Emperor, and we will start to threaten Michael with burning him if he does not convert to the Emperor. Um, no, Warhammer Space Marine. Um, this game, I wanted to do this game for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, like I said, love, love the Warhammer 40k universe a lot. Warhammer Space Marine 2 is coming out hopefully this year. I have it's it still says this year but there's not been a date yet which makes I feel me like that's a little been bit quietly concerned. pushed to next year. Like there's been reports on it but hasn't been officially stated. Yeah, there's no bit there's been no official statement but there has also been no date. I don't care. If it needs to be pushed to next year, push it to next year. Make sure it's good. I've reached that point in my life where I no longer care if games get pushed. I only care if games come out bad. Um, so, like, yeah, either way, I'll play it when it's ready, make it a good game. But uh, this is a game that um, I am interested to hear Michael's perspective on it. And, Nick, I'm interested to hear your perspective also. Now, you both are playing this for the first time. I actually finished this game a month ago, about two months ago. So I'm relatively fresh on it um i would like to know let's start off with you michael but then i would like to i'm just going to be quiet here and just get both of yours kind of opening thoughts on this michael what is it your opening thoughts on warhammer space marine the game and the kind of warhammer universe in a whole that you've been just exposed to so 
everything I know about Warhammer is divided amongst two people. My friend Aaron in high school and uh, you guys. And a little bit, I've actually a little bit I played of like Blood Bowl and researching my kill team, which is the Harlequins. I haven't seen any Harlequins in this game, but Harlequins represent. Um, yeah, this is a very expansive, very daunting universe in a lot of ways. A lot of my understanding of it comes from comparisons of it to other media. Like, when they reference something called... Uh, the Codex. I'm like, oh, that's kind of like the Orange Catholic Bible from Dune. And there's the Emperor. So immediately, like, okay, Star Wars, but he seems to be more of like a... He seems like a combo between like the Dune Emperor, where he's like orchestrating these factions against each other. And he's also like kind of a Star Warsy Emperor because he wields unlimited power. And... Uh... There's just a lot here, and some of my favorite stuff in this section is looking at a lot of the background stuff, some of the flavor text here and there, and just, there is a lot of really cool um, proper nouns in this thing, where if I, in any good sci-fi story where you need like a good proper noun, like the first one that I wrote down in all capital letters because it made me very excited was Liberation Fleet. I, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your comparisons to Dune are very accurate. Uh, I talked about this on the prep episode. Uh, Warhammer 40K starts off a lot less serious than it would become. It, become, it was originally extremely referential to other science fiction of the time. Uh, there is a shit ton of references to Dune, things like that, in the uh, kind of initial pitches of Warhammer uh, 40k back in Rogue Tradle. Um, it's important to... Okay, let's get Nick's perspective and then I'll go into this. Because I, I want Nick's... Nick, you yes. have more experience with the Warhammer universe than Michael does. How is your feeling on the initial kind of opening to Warhammer Space Marine? Um, so, I mean, the first thing that I thought was that as somebody who's not exactly a Warhammer nerd, but knows Warhammer things, um, I'm impressed that they actually made Ultramarines look cool because they are just the <laughs> like Boy Scouts of the Warhammer universe, pretty much. Where even like one of the opening lines is that you know that's against the rules, and then the main guy goes, "Nah, we don't follow the rules sometimes." So that's cool. They're that's a good point. They're not. I had the impression that these guys would be just the over-the-top, like, fascist pricks. But that's not where I... They're all well, really... Let's, make, let's, let's just say this real clear. Let's get this okay. out here real quick. <laughs> the Imperium are over-the-top fascist pricks. Let's yes. go ahead and clear this up. I just want to... Before we get any yes, angry okay. comments, let's make this very clear that we agree that the Imperium are over-the-top fascist pricks. Okay. But I, what I mean is they don't act like it to where if i was going into this if i was going into this without that preamble i would think these guys seem pretty noble in a way like they're going up be as someone who knows nothing about this conflict who knows that from basic fantasy orcs bad 
orcs bad, humans good, rah rah, let's go save the day type deal. First off, (laughs) it is well documented that orcs are the best. They are the best, as they will tell you. Um, What you're speaking basically is just like my first imperial truth, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Which is that humans, you know, should prevail in the emperor's eyes in all cases. Uh, here's something that I think is very interesting about this. I'm playing through it this time with a, a different set of eyes. Um, like I said, we got three different levels. We got Michael, who's very much on the new scale. We got Mick, uh, Nick, who's in the middle, very much in the tabletop, but lore-wise is you know kind of got a grip on things, but not like super invested. And then I'm on the other end of the spectrum where like I've read. I think I'm on my sixth Warhammer book this year. I think I read, of the 50-some books I read last year, I think 25 of them were Warhammer books. I spent a lot of time reading about Warhammer, guys. Um, this story and this introduction, I, f- I think, does a really great job of exposing you to the Warhammer 40K universe without getting bogged down in the minutia of it. Nick talks about the Ultramarines. We play as uh, Captain Titus of the Ultramarines. Um, the Ultramarines are the poster child of the Warhammer universe. If you buy a box of Warhammer miniatures, most likely somewhere on that box is going to be a picture of a blue space marine. He is an Ultramarine. The Ultramarines are, to me, is always like the... It's the little free taste of the Warhammer universe. Here's these... Nine to ten feet tall, you know, genetic super soldiers who fight, you know, for the humanity against the, you know, the darkness of the, uh, the, you know, the approaching, you know, evil and you know, chaos and orcs and all this stuff and the noble space marines. And then once you get into Warhammer more, you start to really get into the lore and stuff. Most people, most people find other factions that they are more into. You know, whether it's uh, other Space Marine chapters like the Blood Angels who are Space Marines who are also uh, vampires and have some other stuff going on with them. Or uh, the the Black Templars who are, you know, this whole other kind of like opal religious zealotry to the Emperor Force. Or, you know, even other races like Orcs and the uh, Eldar which are like Space Elves and stuff like that. Um, this game does a really great job of just referencing things from Warhammer without getting into 20-minute conversations about, like, why you should know what this is. You know, they talk about the Emperor. You have no idea what he looks like. You don't know what he is. They're not going to really stop and tell you. Um, you can engage with this game story on a straight-up, just, hey, this is a war story set in space. Or you can get the taste and be like, oh, I want to go learn more about this. It's um, very reminiscent of kind of some of the books and stuff that were coming out around the time this game came out. Uh, Aura Ventress, I believe is his name of it, his series. It was an Ultramarine story. He is extremely similar to Captain Titus. And um, I feel like he almost could just be the main character from this game. It was kind of weird that they didn't do that. Um, Where it's like these are like get you into the world, give you a taste of what you want to get into, and maybe you can go as deep as you want. Um... I, I, I was a little taken back that like yeah Michael, but I think what it is is I think you're getting bits and pieces, and the good thing about the story is you can just completely ignore it. 
you, there's not going to be a test at any point in which they ask you what the Codex Astartes is or, um, you know, ask about, like, you know, Mechanicum work schedules and things like that. Yeah. You can just, you know, engage with it on this level of, hey, this is a story. I'm playing as these big super soldiers fighting back, you know, the forces of this orc invasion. Yeah, um, we're trying to... Uh, the Ultramarines are trying to clear a plant a forge planet so i imagine that means it's like very rich with resources is a planet entirely dedicated to the manufacturing and production of in this case war materials notably titans gotcha and they're trying to take that from the orcs but they're like a they seem to be the team you send in because it seems like they're going they're clearing out the area to call in. I forget who they say they call it. They don't call it um, reinforcements. They have a, a specific there's a, name. There's a fleet on and on the way that yeah. we are kind of like the vanguard of. Um, this is what I was talking about kind of, which is interesting. And this is something I don't really take into consideration. But now that you're talking about it, it throws a lot of these terms at you. Um so at the beginning of the game, we get a rundown, kind of like a situational report of what's happening and why, um, what should be done about it. It's uh, very thing, much like a beginning of a, it reminds me of like Front Mission or Armored Core, where it's like a side of a planet, really rustic looking technology on a screen, like laying out. I do love like um, the kind of opening where you're seeing like almost... Uh, should we do this? And it says negative. Should we do this? No. And then it just says liberation fleet. And it says affirmative. I'm like, all right. That was a great introduction to this, I thought. <laughs> An overall factor like, that goes on in Warhammer is that uh, the Imperium is filled with bureaucracy. So the Imperium is like over a million wards. And those wards are in constant state of, you know, wards become attacked. Wards go dark where they or destroyed or taken over by forces throughout the galaxy. And so, like, because of that bureaucracy, there is, if you um, are aware of it, like, they, like some of the options is just straight up, what one thing they call it is a Storminatus, which is basically they go and they just bond the planet from space and just kill everything on it. And okay. that's, a, that's a valid way of dealing with a problem in the Warhammer 40k universe. It's not worth our time, so therefore let's just burn everything, keep the orcs from having it, and go on about our day. Uh, like, and uh, if you yeah. notice, it says the only reason they don't do that is because this is a ward that manufactures Titans, and we don't want to lose that. So we're going to have to go fight for it, I guess. Oh, the Titans are very fascinating. I want to um, delve yes. into more of those guys once we get uh, into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it talks about the fleet will arrive in five to 31 days. And you say, boy, that's a long range. Um, in the Warhammer universe, you travel through this thing called the warp. Uh, time doesn't really work in there. So you might show up five days before the event takes place. You might show up ten days after the event shows place. You might show up three years after the event takes place. So uh, things are a little bit uh, sketchy when you actually arrive at places in Warhammer. Um, Space Marines, you talked about them. This is a Liberation Fleet. Space Marines are like an uh, elite strike force. There's very few of them. Uh, one thing that you see in the game 
when you after Captain Titus and stuff comes across members of the Imperial Guard or the humans, the baseline humans who are fighting on the planet, uh, they treat them with like reverent reverence and like like almost as a religious experience. Yeah, that's one thing I absolutely lo- uh, loved about this section was going across like um, war like war torn areas where there's a bunch of like wounded soldiers and everything, and all of them like look up and they go, "It's the Space Marines." Almost like it's a moment of hope for them in a hopeless situation. I really liked moments like that a lot. Like you're bringing light to like a very dark situation to them. The um, in the Warhammer universe, the Emperor is the the god of humanity at this point in time. Uh, he's also a corpse riding on a throne, but we won't get into that because we don't want to be labeled heretics. So there's um, no year they throw out. I mean, they say in it's the M- year forty thousand. Is M40, there... Everything takes place somewhere in the year M, in the time period of M forty one. Okay, um, so if you're playing this, do you immediately know based on like context clues, like oh, it's between these two major events happening, or does it even um, really matter? This is something that could just be thrown in wherever, and it works out fine. Until recently, Warhammer was more of a setting than a timeline. Um, oh, okay. Only in the okay. past maybe five to six years have there start to be a, a timeline in Warhammer, in Warhammer 40k where stories take place in sequence. Um, there's always been major events that are talked about, but most Warhammer stories throughout the time of the franchise take place just at a point in time. And because it's such a large universe... Things can take place on the one side of it that have zero effect on another side of it. Oh, so it's um, like kind of like Dungeons & Dragons lore, where everything's sort of. centered around uh, initially, and it seems like later they actually like start to piece these events in order. I imagine that's probably something that has to... When you write, I believe, uh, I saw hundreds of books or something. When you have hundreds of books, you probably need to start tying in events and weaving them through stuff like i said recently that started to be a case there's been things that have taken place in warhammer uh, lore that's caused that to be more of a, a progression story um most warhammer stories take place in their own self-contained kind of thing um because there was such a long gap uh you know it's like almost most of them take place in the 40 to m40 to m41 which is like a thousand years um yeah, they can stick them pretty much anywhere, you know. So there's not like when I look at the date here, I'm not like, oh, that's two years past, you know, Armageddon, the war, the battle on the second war for Armageddon or whatever, something like that. It's just this is taking place in this year. Also, um, because of that aspect, planets and stuff will have their own what is like a massive event for this planet doesn't affect the greater galaxy like this is at the end of the day a very small event on the grand scale of things Uh, um, most of the things are self-contained stories there's nothing galaxy changing for the most part until recently barring Uh, i want to sell you another rule set yes when there's a new rule (laughs) set coming out uh we've um you've talked about the the 40 we're going to talk about the miniature game because me and nick enjoy it grasp you know greatly but 10th edition which uh, i predicted correctly was coming out on this show the night before uh, it, it was announced um in my defense or in you know my 
kind of in the situation. They were not being very subtle about it, so it's pretty easy that that was what it was going to be. Um, when a new edition comes out, all of a sudden a major event takes place. <laughs> Almost like they have to sell you new models. Um, How many editions are we going to go through before they're like, the Emperor is dead? The Emperor is like, dead. oh crap. The Emperor's been dead. Wait, what? Sort of. Okay. Sort of. The Emperor okay. is a corpse on a throne. One thing that is key to remember oh. about. The one thing that is very key to remember about the Warhammer universe, and they don't. This game does not delve into like the darkest aspects of the Warhammer universe for a couple of reasons. One is it doesn't need to, but two, one thing that is uh one of the reasons why I like the whole idea of Warhammer 40k universe like is a, it it comes from parody. It comes from stat satire. Um, so the emperor, this thing that's worshipped throughout all of humanity as this god, he's on a throne being kept alive on life support. He is not some glorious being sitting on a throne you know wishing you into the afterlife or anything like that he's a corpse on a throne being kept alive on life support so um, in chapter most people, 99.9.9.9999 .9 of humanity never even makes it to earth to even see the imperial palace so, so it, he's just a thing you're told about so in chapter 8, there's a cathedral that you see, and you literally walk past it. There is like a cloaked skeleton figure. Is that the emperor? Is that like a maybe depiction of him? A, maybe it could be a saint or something like that. Okay. A lot of Warhammer, a lot of, um, uh, of it's satire of um, you know Christian faith, things like that. It's a lot of satire of that. Um, like I said, back in the early 80s when Rogue Trader comes out, late 80s, when Rogue Trader comes out, it's a hardcore satire. Um, one thing that we talk about in this game, this game you are fighting with the orcs. Um, the orcs are very similar to uh, soccer fans or soccer hooligans. And uh, some of that has been dialed back over the years. Spice Marine! <laughs> yeah, a lot of it's still there. Um, the idea of orcs are, orcs are scary as anything if you are writing a story from... The perspective of people fighting them if you're writing a story from the perspective of the orcs they're just having a ball I <laughs> they're having a great time yeah they they love this whole thing um so let's kind of use that to pivot into the game itself um they like said we play as captain titus of the ultramarines arriving to uh basically be a vanguard of a liberation fleet to rescue this planet planet is being invaded by orcs um one thing about this uh, we talked about this in the prep show this is a kind of hack and slash game first and a shooter second um yeah. was that something you guys kind of anticipated when you started the game or what did you think this was going to be compared to what it is it's a really good balance it's more it's nice to go to a game that looks like this from this era that's not a cover shooter. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think I even said that on the prep show. I was like, hey, you're not... Space Marines don't hide behind stuff. <laughs> you know, they're, they're nine feet tall in two-ton armor. They kind of just barrel through things. Strangely, it reminds me quite a bit of Halo in a surprising way. In that... Mm -hmm. You are 
your reticle is there at all times. You're always aiming. There is a bunch. There is a clear defined like small enemy, medium enemy, elite uh, pairing of enemies that you have to deal with. And sometimes, like when you kill some larger enemies, the little enemies will run away. I don't know their exact like terms or anything. Like the little orcs will run away, kind of like the little guys from. Listen. Halo and everything. The little grots and stuff don't want to hang grots. around if they see something big. Orc society is entirely dictated upon who's the biggest. If you are the biggest, therefore you are in charge. So yeah, if so you see the big guy get killed, you probably don't want to hang around there. Just some of that bit and a lot of the um, sort of le- the level design and stuff, like with mostly corridor focus, but with some like vertical environments and everything. This was... More Halo than I was expecting. Not to say it's like one to one because this is uh, pretty. There's a decent hack and slash thrown in as well, but that surprised me with the way it kind of played that way. Nick, how does this kind of like? Was this what you expected, or does it play better or worse than what you thought it was going to be? Uh, I'm honestly pretty surprised about how much I enjoy this game because you kind of pitched it to me in this frame of it is a hack and slash which it definitely is but the way that i've been playing this game which is just i think just regular normal mode um they give you just a ton of ammo so and they give you every literally all the highlights of like space marine weaponry that you can play with like the stalk i there was a point where i was going between the last cannon and the stalker and i was literally just sniping everybody and then when people were coming close then you pull out the chain sword and start messing around I, I have a question for you, Nick. Do you feel like this is like what you think of when you think of like Space Marine combat? Like when you you know think of how Space Marines fight, is this kind of an accurate way you think of it? Yeah, I would say you know it's cool to see it played out because it's just you're putting these just killing machines into a horde of people or orcs and just taking them to town like this, you know chainswording like five dudes then pulling out the bolter and shooting you know knob in the face rolling over a grenade and then you know doing like a crazy like doom stealth or uh, glory kill to get your health back it's yes i love that bit i love that the health mechanic is tied to stunning the enemy and then doing a a big attack on them and of course they do the cool thing where if you kill like one of the elite dudes you'll get all your health back versus killing like a low level enemy and everything you're the the amount of enemies that you kill in such a short amount of time is great in the first 10 minutes of the game i got an achievement for killing 100 enemies and was like this is so close to being a a muso or a warriors game almost that level of scale (laughs) it does that great job in playing back through it here where i've like really you know it's recent playthrough so i'm like really on board with the combat combat i think nick you you describe it very accurately like the best way to play it quote unquote like the right way quote unquote is just like emptying weapons into the horde as they charge you just you know blowing through five or six orcs in a row and then they get close and out comes the chainsword of the power axe and just start you know demolishing what's left and um 
it does that it, it nails that feeling of like getting the lore feeling of being a space marine um it's one of those things where they the combat is both simple i mean there's not like massive there's no fighting game level combos here you know it's mostly just like light attack light attack heavy or light 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 heavy or something you know basic combos but having not even heavy it's more of a stun and a it's a attack a stun and a grab and that's really all you need Um, it's like it's like uh the arkham loadout of moves without actually chaining them together yeah it's basic like three four hit combos kind of stuff um, but like they do do the uh, the glory kill stuff, and uh, how many years before Doom twenty sixteen? I mean, a few five. years before five years, yeah, five years before, um, and it's it promotes that constant like push forward. That's one thing I like about the combat. And you know, uh, you talk about the cover shooters at the time. You know, games like Gears of War and stuff were really kind of popular, where it was like, hey, get behind something and shoot them from a Shoot them before they get to you kind of thing. The and only time you like, need to, like, retreat is if you need to give your armor back. And even then, it's like, okay, your armor's back. Now you got to be aggressive. The game yeah. is always pushing you forward towards the enemies, and I really like that about this game. And it, it gets across that feeling of, like, you know, that's how space marines are. They are, you know, an unstoppable force that just, you know, is, you know, demolishing anything in front of it. Um, I really, really uh, enjoy the arsenal here because as a fan of the tabletop and all that stuff, it's really neat to see like how these weapons that, you know, when you're playing on the tabletop and you're rolling just like a certain number of dice <laughs> to represent that weapon, to hear to get in your hand in the game and be like, oh, that's how, so is that how it's supposed to sound or is that how it's supposed to work? Um... And I think they nail that really well from the basic stuff, like the bolter and the chainsword being meaty and heavy to yeah. the uh, the more, like, you know, Nick referenced, like, the last cannon, the Starkle bolter, and the, I really like how they perceive, like, plasma guns in this game. Um, mm-hmm. Where they're almost, like, they leave, like, after effects on everything. They, they're extremely unstable. Which is a whole big thing about it in the on the tabletop. There's risk reward to using them and stuff like that. So here it's like, oh, it feels like it's barely hanging together. <laughs> you know, it's it's two steps away from cracking and blowing your guy to smithereens. Um, we, how is it from uh, y'all's point of view? Like, it's a very straightforward story, but are you enjoying it? Are you getting anything out of it? Or are you feeling like it's more just a means to the end to get to another combat sequence? It's For me, it's more of the means to the end right now, but the combat's really fun. I'm having a great time with it, that it's not, like, hurting me. There's a couple of threads that I quite like so far. I like... um them helping out uh, Mira's squad. I really like Mira as a character from what we've seen of her so far. And uh, Inquisitor Drogon, I'm interested in seeing what his whole deal is because I don't trust that dude right now. So we'll see where that ends up. 
Uh, Nick, you're like, uh, how are you feeling? Are you are you having any connection to the story at this point, or are you really like, I'm just here to to bash some orcs' heads in? Um. So, at the beginning, that's kind of how the progression was. Just like, oh, you know, every couple blocks or whatever, I get to pick up a cool new gun. But towards the <laughs> end of this thing, you kind of see where things are going. You know, Drogon is out here messing with warp power sources so i feel like this cutoff point is pretty good because it, it seems to be heading in a, in a direction that i i might know where it's going but it's still pretty interesting i um i'm interested because i think nick's on to something here because he has a little bit more of a awareness about the setting but i will say this playing back through this this time is extremely back heavy okay story wise that's what i was thinking um, it was gonna yeah because i was sitting there i was like i wonder how far we get towards this we are basically knocking on the door of several big kind of like kickoff points um the beginning of this game at this stage is very like you know it's a war story you know take the blow up the the gun that's keeping the ships from getting in help the the Imperial Guard, you know, it's stuff like that. This is in like every war story and war game. Um, the kind of introduction of the of the Inquisition and Inquisitor uh, Drago um, is very. Um, that's where things are going to start getting a little bit more interesting. Um, Inquisitors in Warhammer are entities that hold pretty much absolute power. Uh, they answer to no one but the God Emperor himself, but the God Emperor don't talk much, so they don't really answer to anybody. <laughs> um, so they are a key kind of factor in um, in Warhammer stories a lot of times because they hold so much authority and power. There's not a lot of people who are going to be telling an inquisitor what to do you're also going to run into a lot of power dynamics between these factions space marines don't really answer to many people either uh you know it's kind of hard to tell a thousand some nine foot tall genetic super soldiers what to do uh the inquisition the inquisition has their own you know ways of looking at things so you're going to get into a lot of kind of power dynamics and things like that um it's like I said, very. It seems a very. It's very back heavy, and I didn't realize it until we played back through this section. I was like, yeah, you know, a lot of this is just open combat. There was a lot of good combat sequences in here that I want to talk about. Some kind of highlights for me. Um, really enjoy sequences like even the initial uh, first chapter. They just jumps you right into it when you land on a little orc ship, um, and just have to fight through things. There it does a great job as an introduction. Um, big fan of the uh, the fight on the the battering ram slash train. Sequence. Yes. Any game that has a train fight gets a thumbs up from me. <laughs> yeah, really, really think that's a pretty good one. And then anytime you can get the jump pack, um, the yep. assault jump pack just adds so much to this game. I was and sad when they took it away going, oh no, was this a one-off gameplay sequence? <laughs> and they brought it back and I was happy. They do some really, really neat stuff with that towards the second half of this. Okay. Where okay. that's going to be. That's your, uh, I'll, I'll view that as the um, 
the the BFG moment for this game. That whenever okay. wherever you've been struggling and things have been, it's been a tough mountain to climb. Maybe we'll give you the the assault pack and some other goodies and let you go have a you know ten twenty minutes of just being an unstoppable juggernaut falling from the sky. The power scaling in this game moves really quickly. Like you start with the basic guns, like here's your pistol analog, your assault rifle analog, and your sniper rifle analog. Then you get the uh, you get the chainsword, and then they up they take the chainsword. You have the option to take the chainsword away from you and get the power axe instead. Uh, yeah, the power axe is better, but I kind of miss my I kind of miss the chainsword. It's really cool, and I my favorite weapon so far is actually one that got me out of a few jams so far. It is the um, forget what it's called, but it's the almost the mine thrower where you plant mines and then hit the uh, left trigger to uh make all the make all of it explode a vengeance launcher the vengeance launcher yeah i can't believe i forgot that name that's that's badass yeah yeah Um, i do i also do love how all of like the drop points for your weapons that come down i'll say something like glory to the emperor that's really good (laughs) it's a yeah it's an extremely religious society um so like that's you know you get things like purity seals that give you updates. Purity yeah. seal. That broke that down. Yeah, what a purity <laughs> seal is is a little, you know, it's literally a piece of paper with prayers to the emperor written on it. That's got a wax seal that's attached to, um, but your know, armor. You know, people use them as like a religious deity thing. A lot of times, uh, space marines receive them for acts that they commit throughout their, you know, their lifetimes. Um, you know, and all that. One thing I really like a lot and nick might be able to talk about this also is they nail the little stuff so well like you know orc buildings and orc equipment looks like it was built by the orcs (laughs) like it's (laughs) it's all barely hanging together um there's a big thing in warhammer 40k that uh orc science makes no sense um basically orcs believe something walks so therefore it walks um, they go back and forth on this in the lore, but there is some versions of the story that like orc guns don't actually mechanically make any sense, but the, because the orc believes that the gun walks, therefore it walks. Um, <laughs> that's just science. I mean, there's little little bits in the uh, even the animations of like the Rocket Boys or whatever, where their their gun is jammed, and in any other world that would just blow up and kill them, but instead they just smash it on the ground, and, like three rockets pop out. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Nick, as the resident orc player and kill team, how is your how is your feelings on the portrayal of the orcs in this? How how you feel about the boys, uh, the boys? Um, I like them a lot. I think that it, they're, again, you almost see that side of the orcs. Like, they are just, like, bumbling idiots, basically, in the eyes of the space marines. But they're still coming down and, like, completely destroying all these Cadians and, like, taking vital objectives and stuff. Like, every time a gun, like an anti-air gun has been in this game, they have gotten to it first. Like, (laughs) by you, you're 100% right. My favorite thing is they are viewed as the most competent, incompetent <laughs> idiots in the world. Um, like, I love that early on, it's in the first chapter with that AA gun just blasting 
all Titus has to do is just just turn it around. No one thinks to stop the gun. <laughs> he just turns it on his own <laughs> ship and it just keeps firing. I, I love that bit. There's a, a, a moment in which your uh, your squad mates are talking about how weird it is that the orcs don't really ever take or use anything. They just take it and then break it apart. <laughs> and so they're like, what are they using the, the anti-aircraft you know, cannon for? How are they using that thing? They usually just deassemble everything anytime they get it. Um, the portrayal of orcs in this game is shockingly well done. Like, even little things like bomb squigs, um, little grots who, you know, grots who do no damage to you, but they're just there just to be uh, an annoyance, you know? <laughs> they're just, you know, hacking at your heels as the boys do the fighting. Um, I really, really enjoy like their version of orcs, even how they do the power scale thing. You know, it's very... Michael, you, I think you're right with the Halo comparison uh, where, like, the orcs scale up but they still match kind of orc archetypes and things like that um there's going to be more of that kind of stuff coming up i don't want to get into it but they do other stuff like this very very well um they do really well in like how they betray background stuff like when you enter mechanicum facilities and the the oval voices talking about failure of production rates during the invasion it's like you guys should be walking. I know that you're being invaded by orcs, but we got we got quotas, okay? <laughs> um, and like how the Cadians are portrayed, you know, as the Imperial Guard regiment that's here. Um, all of that stuff's just really, really well done. Probably one of my favorite background lore moments here is in uh, chapter chapter four. You get a look of like you come out of the cannon after blowing that in Smith Reigns, and you get this look of a Really nice sunset with the look of the ancient ancient bridges. Like they don't match the, the the beauty of the bridges and the architecture of it doesn't match any of like the industry around it. And even like Titus and uh, Leandros have Leandros a, um... is uh, Leandros is your buddy who keeps telling you that the Codex Astartes doesn't support your actions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that guy. So, yeah, they, they have a conversation that, like, they remark on how beautiful the bridges are. And Titus says, like, their work, I hope they die knowing that their work outlives them all. And that's a really good moment there. Just um, a really subtle piece of storytelling in this, like, overt, bombastic world. It's really nice to see. A, uh, a common thread throughout Warhammer 40k is that the universe is, is decaying. Uh, humanity's glory days are about 10,000 years behind them. Um, the height of humanity is in like 30K. The 30,000s uh, is where we finally get our stuff together and hit our stride as a people. No, we, we've already screwed up a bunch by then. Oh. Then we get a little <laughs> bit better for about a little bit. And then a bunch of stuff happens with this guy named Horse that we ain't going to get into. Oh, <laughs> um, he, he's a heretic, right? That's all I know. Depends on who you ask, Michael. Anyway, I got, there's some guys down under a bridge somewhere that have different opinions on that. They'd love to talk to you about the glories of the of uh, the Chaos Pals. Um, but, you know, that is a common thing in, in Warhammer 40K uh, that, you know, these glorious, like, cathedrals and things like that are representations of an age that no longer exists. Uh, things are on the downturn 
and uh, you know we're not heading to a good place. Uh, which man that resonates similar uh, in this day and age. Um, but yeah, you're right. Those moments like we references the bridge and things like that as like you know these glorious kind of examples of the Imperium. Um, and that's something that leads into why why we're here defending these Titans. Titans are these extremely expensive and they're called god machines they're viewed as almost religious artifacts in themselves because of how rare they are um and i really like how they kind of portray a lot of that stuff there's a lot of stuff that they reference and they even make references to things not being there because i imagine this is a game that's on a pretty tight budget um oh for sure especially uh, one of my favorite lines is one of the Imperial Guardsmen makes a point about, hey, we're in a whole forge ward and there's not a single tech priest around. Um, which, you know, is, they didn't have a model for the, the Imperial Mechanicum. Um, but uh, I just, you know, you can tell it's on a budget, but I think they do really well with the budget that they have. I'm honestly surprised the PlayStation 3 version is holding as well as it has. I only had one major glitch. Yeah, you sh- yeah, you had sent us a, a video of that. After, in chapter one, after a, like, one of the mini-boss orcs pops out, it spawns me up on, like, a hilltop, and I can't move. The entire background disappears, I fall through the floor and die, and that's my first death in this entire game. Warp shenanigans. Um, Warp, Nick, yep. how, how is this running on you? You're playing the PC version. How's that running? Uh, it's running pretty good. I mean, there's nothing much to complain about you can definitely see the age i'm playing this anniversary edition so it's not like it's a complete rework or anything it just i don't know it looks good but it's you can tell that it's an old game yeah it's funny how they're the hd remaster of it like the the coat the fresh coat of paint is on the the pc but i imagine that's where a majority of warhammer fans live I don't know about that. I think it might deal with something about this being the THQ project. I don't know oh, how maybe. licenses work on that. Um, I'm playing the original Xbox 360 version, and so far it's doing great. <laughs> um, but a um, couple other things I want to get into here before we head on out for the day. Um, yeah, what's a good way of putting this? Do you feel like this game would cause you to maybe like further investigate the world of Warhammer 40k? Is this a gateway drug for you, Michael? I'm talking more to Michael because me and Nick have already been indoctrinated. Or is it something that you're like, hey, I'm willing to dip my toes in this and then walk away? Yeah, probably the latter. There's a couple, for right now, there's a couple things that I'm latching on to mainly the the tight titans seem really cool i didn't know there were giant mechs in this universe that might keep me around yeah so in chapter six the layer of giants i like the um look of a lot of this area like we go from a lot of like the more industrial looking environments to like the more cold interiors where there's like uh the the misty air blowing through and then you see titan invictus looks cool and i wrote please let me pilot that thing the game's only half over so there's still a chance that there'll be a giant mech combat that sounds expensive 
so I understand if that's not in the budget. This is just what I'm hoping for. And I would say that it would be impossible for you not to deal with Titans on this okay. ward full of Titans. Okay, okay. So I would say I'll, that, I'll you know, that that might be a little, you know, it's a spoiler, but at the same time, they are the reason you're here. So, you know, I imagine you have some more interactions with them. And then a lot of the... Drogon actually uh, touches on some really cool stuff. Like, he's... They reference him being a psychic soldier scientist, which it sounds like the most uh, jack-of-all-trades dungeon build on a character sheet. Like, you just spec for everything, didn't you, buddy? <laughs> but um, uh, the fact that, like, a, psychic a soldiers are a thing. Yeah, okay. cycles are a thing. Um, that's their... Uh, the 40k analog to like magic i guess is the only way to put it um so him being a cycle uh makes him in technical terms a mutant and the imperium has very strong opinions on things like that okay but uh they allow the existence of cycles because they're necessary for them because you have to have cycles to pilot ships so, I mean, so oh, they're like the nav- they're like navigators, like they're the only people who can exactly. navigate this advanced world. Do they get high on sand in order to do it? Uh, they look <laughs> into a visual representation of hell itself. <laughs> That's kind of cool. All right, yes, yes. less Dune and more. Uh, what's the one where the spaceship gets lost? Um, lost uh, in space. Horizon. No, oh, that one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Horizon. Lost yeah. in space. <laughs> Yeah, it's more. It's very. There's some event horizon in there. Um, we're getting into some touchstones on that in this because there is some warp talk being had. Um, Michael, you won't have much of an understanding of this. I think why might Nick might be a little bit more intrigued by this story is because he's aware of like what the warp means. Um, the warp is basically a parallel reality to ours which is a psychic hellscape, but you would think you wouldn't want anything to do with that, but that's how you pilot ships in this world. you got to go through there, so you kind of stuck with it, and there's some stuff in there that might want to talk to you. That um, sounds awesome. Okay, so giant mechs in parallel hell uh, GPS basically. are the two things that I am latching onto. Yes. That seemed pretty cool. Um, I think that... It would be interesting to see kind of your perspective on it post this second half. Like I said, this very front, it's very back heavy game story wise. You know, basically the story so far has been, you know, Captain Titus and his ultramarines have arrived to help secure the planet. Uh, we meet uh, our inquisitor buddy here who's got means to quote, you know, kind of in this war of right from the get go, this kind of deus ex machina thing, um, MacGuffin kind of thing. And uh, he's kind of uh, messing around with some stuff that we're not so comfortable about, and we're going to kind of get more into that in the second half. Okay. Um, there's Nick... some. Go ahead. I was gonna say there's some audio logs here, but they're I'm not I'm not getting a lot from them because they're yeah I don't know. Uh, they're very reminiscent of like some other stuff that was going on in games at this time, where it was like just like little slice of life, of like stuff from the ward. Um, there's a lot of references to particular stuff. There's some uh, Nick. I don't know if you've listened to any of those. 
I'm trying to think of some. I don't know if there's anything that really stands out as like a must talk about. Okay, I didn't know if there was some stuff buried in there because a lot of it's dealing with like a medic. Yeah, it's just like thing. it's just stories of like what's happening around the world. It's just flavor stuff. Okay, um, those are fine. I collect them when I see them, but I don't search out every corner for them. Gotcha. Um, Nick, is there anything in particular here that you would like to kind of uh, highlight before we kind of bring it home today? Things you're really enjoying or things you dislike or anything like that? Uh, No, I feel like if this was a game that I played when I was younger, I would have been immediately into Warhammer. Like, I think it would have set me on that path. I just think that the, the gameplay is, like, junk foodie enough. And Space Marines are cool. Like, seeing a melt gun is basically just a, you know, flaming shotgun, which is why it's so crazy at close range. I don't know. It's it's. If I had it's, found this a while ago, I would be way more into Warhammer, which is probably a good thing that I didn't then. Yeah, it saved your wallet for until you were older and therefore had more money to spend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do – we're going to put this as an aside because I talked about this with you this weekend – it helped me wrap my head around how a melter gun works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a melter gun, Nick Michael, is a particular weapon in the Warhammer universe. You've seen it here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a close quarters weapon in Kill Team, but it doesn't have like a real obvious analog for how it works. And so when I played this game, that was the first time I'm like, okay, this is kind of how a melter gun works. Now I get what this is. Because it's just like, and it's very inconsistent in the books what a melter gun does. Like in some books, it is basically an anti-tank weapon. In other books, it is kind of like a, a flaming shotgun. So this is like, I when I think now melter gun, when we're on the tabletop and I accidentally wind up within six inches of one of Nick's uh, <laughs> characters and I get deleted by a melter gun because that thing... That thing in in tabletop would just delete you, um, <laughs> except on su- Saturday, in which I whiffed a shot and only hit one of four, and uh, somehow didn't kill anything with it. Um, boy, that seems like uh, any time I have a powerful weapon there, that seems like my my luck right there is I'm gonna whiff every roll. Um, but uh, I I really love that aspect of this. There is something this is not really a spoiler because we've already seen the power axe. Um, weird thing that does not show up here no power sword which I was like I, I didn't really think about that till we were playing All it right, that's yeah. a very, it's a very iconic Warhammer weapon but I, uh, I was I like I got well, maybe some that's dudes like, with power swords equipped yeah for, yeah, for your uh, kill team for your yeah. uh, Harlequin team uh, yeah it's just kind of weird that they're not there um I'm going to do kind of, well, the big thing for me that just kind of stands out playing back through this, it is a very well done, this would be a great, like, My Force Warhammer experience. And I know there's some stuff that's confusing, but um, I think it does a great job of onboarding you to the universe, and a universe that can be a little bit daunting, to be honest with you. I mean, even if you go to the uh, Games Workshop, which is the uh, creators of Warhammer 40k, a website, it can be daunting to just look at the amount of stuff that's there. 
you know, this thing's been rolling for over 20-some years. God, I want to say almost 30 years. Um, not, not including the Warhammer Fantasy line. And you, Michael mentioned playing Blood Bowl, which is another Warhammer Games Workshop project. Um, it can be very daunting. I think this game is a great onboarding for the Warhammer 40K universe to get people into the fandom. Um, and once you are... They get you. They they do a great job of that crack stuff, man. Because once they get you, they they <laughs> they do that little stuff like, hey man, why don't you stop by the shop and we'll give you a free miniature. And yeah. hey man, why don't you buy this fifty dollar recruit edition and you'll be able to play some games. And next thing you know, you're five hundred dollars in the hole and uh, <laughs> you're working on uh contrast painting and things like that that you never thought you would be you know deeply looking into. Um, I think Warhammer. I think this is a great onboarding for Warhammer Universe. Uh, I'm interested to see how this is going to work with Warhammer Space Marine Two, because uh, that is a direct sequel to this. Um, there's not really a super easy way to play this game unless on PC. There's not, you know, you're digging through backward compatibility on console. Uh, I am just shocked at this point that this has not already been re-released. On to uh, on to, uh, you know Xbox and PlayStation. Seems like it would be an easy uh, thing. It has to be something with licensing with the THQ stuff. Um, it, but I mean, Sega owns that this game now because when it was re-released on PC, I think it's published by Sega, and they've usually been pretty good with uh, backwards compatibility on Xbox. So I don't know why. My only guess is they're, they might be saving the anniversary edition to release on console before Space Marine Two, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. There. I feel like it. now would be the time to do that. It would be. I know right? on PC they hiked up the price. They took off the SKU for original Space Marine, and you can only get it at least through Steam for the anniversary edition, and they hiked it back up to sixty dollars. That's insane. I know it was on sale for All 10, the comments so. and reviews are like thumbs down. It's like, why did you do this? <laughs> it should be, especially with two coming out, you should be trying to push this thing to as many people as possible because I think it does hold up extremely well. You feel like this should be like, hey, push this thing, put this thing on every single sale possible. Throw it on the Game Pass and all that stuff. So when Space Marine Two ha- you know hits, we have a wide variety of fandom because there is a a dedicated fandom that will buy that game no matter what. There's people like yeah. me who are just super into Warhammer 40k, and we're gonna buy this thing unless it's terribly broken or something. It's it's going to be on the list for must buy, but there's no reason not to try to expand that. Um, also. I would like it to be re-released just because there is a multiplayer component to this game. <laughs> Obviously, that servers are not there anymore for like the 360 version. But I would love to I just know still, what that is. I can still connect. There's just no one playing on PS3. Yeah, I didn't. I tried it and I didn't find a game. Damn. I just want to know what it is. I watched some gameplay footage of it. It doesn't look great, but at the same time, it don't look terrible. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I was sitting there, I was like, ah, I just got I, I gotta know. Um, 
and I feel like we'll, we're about to come into a period where I imagine there's going to be a lot of push for new new onboarding to the Warhammer 40 you know K universe with uh, like I said I talked about the Henry Cavill Amazon option for a show thing I've talked about how 10th edition is coming out and that's always gets a big mainstream push alongside it but uh you know yeah this is a it's a great universe it's a great property there's a lot of great stuff there um you know we touched on it a little bit but tabletop gaming and, ta- and miniature painting and all this stuff is a is a very good hobby as well and it's a very um it's a cool you know related to video games in a lot of ways hobby but it builds a lot of the social aspects that it's a to me it's like you know it's there's so much extra effort that goes into fielding a team on a tabletop that when you finally do play the game you just have this extra level of connection to it because you've spent time building and painting and you know assembling this team so when your families stick them on the table and you play your game it just feels that one extra level of connection there uh this i feel is very unique to the uh the tabletop experience um but then you also get to sit across from someone and argue about a wall for 20 minutes because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you pull pdfs on your phone uh sometimes the pdfs don't help either uh sometimes you're pulling up youtube videos of other people talking about the rule to try to explain to you whether it should be uh used at this point in the turn or at the end of the turn (laughs) um uh i gotta bring i gotta talk to nick about that later because i uh i still am confused on that one um but yes (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's it is really good, and I hope it, it's a. This is a great way to try to onboard and get more people into this uh, really cool community. Um, we will be finishing Warhammer Space Marine for the next show. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool stuff there, uh, a lot more story stuff, stuff like that. That's really neat. Uh, State of the Save at gmail.com, at State of the Save on Twitter, Instagram, tw- uh, TikTok, YouTube, all of those places. Um, I'm sure that we'll. Uh, be more than happy to have you to follow us on all of that stuff. Thank you guys for listening recently. We've seen a lot of uh, listener jumps, big uh, been increase in listeners as of late. We do appreciate that. Um, anything else for anything before we leave? Glory no. to the Emperor. May he rest in peace. He's not dead though, Michael. That's what a heretic would say. <laughs> Michael's Michael. just woke. <laughs> Did you just say <laughs> that, buddy? He just, he just knows what's that. He's really Michael's going to come on here next time, and be like, "Have you heard about the ruinous powers? <laughs> <laughs> they, those guys right there. Papa Norgal cares about you. The airport doesn't give a damn. But Papa Norgal cares about you." Um, Michael, though, does just make sure as long as you take a shower, Michael, we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, no, but stay safe out there, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you.